You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. We hope that what you're about to hear will bless you and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. We hope that it will strengthen you in faith and that it will help you better understand and better recognize who you are in Christ Jesus. Take your Bible and turn to 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings 18. We're going to go to Mount Carmel today for what is commonly called the contest at Carmel. Some of y'all will remember the story how Elijah took on the 450 prophets of Baal. We're going to look at this passage. I'm going to just read through it and show you things that I believe you need to know about it. I did not read the Old Testament to, to always find out how to live. I read the Old Testament to find Jesus in there. And Him talking to us. Do not open the Old Testament and try to find how, how you're supposed to live. Because you're going to be sorely disappointed to find that you don't add up, you don't, mat, you, don't, you don't qualify in hardly any point as a Gentile. But you do qualify as faith people to see Jesus there and to glean truths from that. Today I want to talk to you about what to do when your faith is challenged. Anybody here ever been challenged in their faith? You ever had your faith challenged? I mean big, you know serious challenges of faith. I've had serious challenges to my faith. And this passage gives us some ideas as to what to do when your faith is challenged. Verse 17 says, And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah. Now Ahab is the Washington Redskins. Elijah is the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> Just to put this in perspective for you. And I said Redskins, so I had to spit. It came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house, in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and you have followed Baalim. Ba Baal or Baal is the word, the, the pagan word for Lord. They, they took another Lord when they followed Baal. We, we say Baal. Baalim just means the gods that are associated with Baal. I want you to notice something here. He says, Is he, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? The first thing you need to remember is not to take it personally. When your faith is challenged, don't take it personally. If you're taking notes, you ought to write that down. Don't take it personally. The moment you take it personally, you start saying, Well, God, my Lord, why, why, why are you trying to teach me? What, what's wrong? With, that's the wrong thing to do. Because the devil will whisper everything that's wrong with you in your ear. Make you think God doesn't like you. Stop inspecting yourself. It's not about you. It's about your faith. Mark chapter 4 says, 
when the word is sown in someone's heart, it says Satan comes immediately to steal that word. It's not a personal thing. He wants that word out of you. And anytime your faith is challenged, it's challenged to try to steal the word from you. It's not, don't take it personal. Remember, Satan hates God. You're just a byproduct to him. Because you were created in his image, you're the closest thing that the devil can attack. Because he can't, he can't touch God directly. So he attacks him vicariously through you. It's like that guy I told you about that was throwing darts at your grandma's picture in the bedroom. He wasn't hurting grandma. He couldn't touch grandma, but his image, better image. And it still made you mad, didn't it? When you saw him throwing pictures at your grandma's picture. Throw, throwing darts at your grandma's picture. Martin Luther, the great reformer, said, Reason, are there children in here? No children in here? Reason is a whore. <laughs> Martin Luther, the great reformer, said this, Reason is a whore, the greatest enemy that faith has. It never comes to the aid of spiritual things. Reason is a whore, that, the greatest enemy that faith has. It never comes to the aid of spiritual things but more frequently than not, struggles against the divine word, treating with contempt all that emanates from God. Martin Luther said this, If you think too much, your heart cannot flourish. If you reason too much, and it is possible to reason too much. I teach in a Bible college, and as you all know, most of you know, and my students come to me with all these reasonable explanations why the Bible's not true. Not all, but some. Some come from backgrounds of different, different persuasions. They come to me, yeah, but Dr. Holler, if what you're saying is true, I said, whoa, 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 whoa. What, part, what part of what I said are you quoting here? Well, that, that verse you read, I said, no, no, no. You're not talking about what I said. You're talking about what God said. Now, now, now say, if, God, if what God says is true... If what God says is true, now how stupid is what you're about to say? I don't deal in reason. I don't deal in philosophies. I don't deal in that stuff. I do my best to deal in the Bible. Had another student come to me just the other day. Sweet kid. He said, Dr. Hollow, I just found out I'm Jewish. Well, he said, does that mean I have to keep the law? I said, I wouldn't have an idea. He said, but you said, I said, hang on. I didn't say any such thing. I just told you what the Bible said about Jews in the law. Yeah. That Jews are supposed to keep the law. Well, he said, I found out I'm Jewish, so, I should, so should I keep the law? I said, I'm not going to tell you that. Not my job. It's my job to teach you what the Bible says. Not my job to tell you what to do. Amen. 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 I'm not a manipulator or a control freak. Amen. My wife is, but I'm not at all. And all the control freak. <laughs> Miss Ann said, boo. <laughs> no, Miss Ann's not a control freak. Exactly. She's... I'll tell you something. She got up this morning and made me breakfast. I mean, cooked breakfast. Eggs and potatoes and bacon. I begged, I, I, yeah, I, I begged her for a solid hour and she finally got out of bed. <laughs> That's not true either. <laughs> Amen. But I, I do my best just to stick with the Bible. 
<laughs> do my best just to stick with the word. Y'all know I kid about her a lot, but you know how much I love her. Yeah. Dearly. <laughs> First time I saw her, she was 11 years old. She came walking up that center sidewalk of that schoolyard of my life in, in Thackerville, Oklahoma. And I thought, that is the prettiest little creature I've ever seen in my entire life, all 11 years of it. <laughs> I had seen some beautiful girls, man. I'd seen like 12 or 13. <laughs> and she was the prettiest one of all of them. I'm still in love, still smitten by her. But I've got to tell you something. You can get into all kinds of ideas and philosophies about, about the Bible and forget about the Bible. This is a, a tactic of the devil to get you onto reason, and reason will always find something wrong with you. Yeah. That's how religions are formed. Finding something that's wrong with you and trying to apply something out of the Bible to fix that. Yeah. And forget... It's not about your cross. Even, even the preaching of the cross these days is so, so lame. Yeah. Because mo most of the preaching of the cross you hear is about the, the cross you have to bear. Yeah. You've got to take that to the cross, brother. I said, can you just show me one scripture that says anything like that? That I need to take something to the cross? <laughs> I am crucified with Christ. Yeah. 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 What, what do I have left? If I am crucified with Christ... What do I have to take to a cross? And show me in the Bible where it says I should do that. I know you can show me a tape a guy preached that says I can do that, but that's, no, that's just another vain philosophy of men. The Bible doesn't teach that. So I didn't tell this Jewish boy, I didn't tell this Jewish boy at all whether he had to keep the law. I said, were you raised as a Jew or a Gentile? He said, raised as a Gentile. But my mom was Jewish. And I said, that's your deal. If you were a Gentile, I'd be telling you what to do exactly because I know what 99.8% of the world is supposed to do. But I've got no clue what a Jew is supposed to do except the Bible says, yeah. keep the law. That's what the Bible says. Now, if you want to do that or you don't want to do that, that's your business. That's not my business. Because I will not get into the philosophies. And listen to me. Because the moment you get into philosophy, you love wisdom rather than loving the Word. Philosophy means lover of wisdom. That's all it means. Philosophy. I love wisdom. That's, and everybody has a wisdom for their life. If you'll just let the Bible be your guide, you'll have a lot better life. Yeah. And it won't be up for discussion so much. I know there's some, I know there's some things in the Bible that, that are kind of up for discussion, some things that we don't really know much about. But look, the, look at this. Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel, this man says. Elijah. Unto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal, 450, and the prophets of the groves, 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel, and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. Now Ahab was evil and stupid, but he wasn't completely nuts. He knew when the prophet shows up and says, bring them to me, he better bring them to him. I think this is amazing. This is one guy, Elijah believes he's the only one left in Israel that worships God. It wasn't really a fact, but he was the last of the prophets. And he says so here. He says, and he knows he's going to be highly outnumbered. 450 prophets to one, and another 400 priests of the groves. So he's got 850 people shouting one opinion, 
And he's the one lone voice with God's opinion. So my second thought to you is, don't be intimidated by numbers or power. That, that, what that means to you and me is don't be intimidated by how many times the devil runs at you with another temptation or another sickness or another calamity. Because he, 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 he runs over you with numbers sometimes. The North won the Civil War not because they had the best general, but because they had the most people. The South had the best general, a guy named Robert E. Lee. And when, who by the way was a non-non-slave owner, Robert E. Lee was anti-slavery from the start. His only reason for fighting for the South was for states' rights. It was his reason. He saw a bigger picture as he already knew that slavery was going to go away in the South in a matter of years without a war. But Abe Lincoln pushed, pushed the issue. Well, you're hearing a different side, aren't you? You need to hear this side. Abe Lincoln pushed the issue and hired a slave owner by the name of U.S. Grant who owned slaves all the way to the end of the war. How many of you did not know this? Slave owner, U.S. Grant, up in New York to finish the war. And Grant said, I will not play chess with Robert E. Lee because that's a good way to lose a war. He knew he didn't have the military mind. But what he did was use what he had. He had 10 to 1 in numbers and just overran him. Sent Sherman to the sea. You know, the Sherman's pushed to the sea under Grant's command. And they overran, overran the South and won the war with sheer numbers. Let me tell you, the devil uses that tactic all the time against you. Just come, hit you, hit you, hit you, hit you, and hit you. Challenging everything you believe. He's going to come at your money. Going to come at your relationships. Going to come at your health. Going to come at your job. Going to come at your friends. He's going to come at everything he possibly can. And try to destroy you. Try to get you to thinking. Well, I, 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 Pastor John said. But it doesn't, it's not happening for me. Don't be intimidated by the numbers of the power. Remember Elijah was outnumbered 850 to 1. And he said, bring them on. Bring them on. I hear a song playing in my head. Hit me with your best shot. Fire away. I'm going to still be here when you're long gone, devil. When you're burning in hell, I'm still going to be going strong. My wife had to, had to deal with this one time. Uh... Boy, she's a woman of faith. Our little boy fell on the ice. His feet went out from under him, and he banged his head on the back of his head and blacked both of his eyes, which meant that his brain pulled lo loose from the front of his head. And uh, he started having he bad headaches. Every few days, he would have another bad headache. This went on for some time, a couple of months, I guess. Ann said, John, we've got to go to the doctor and get him set up for some kind of screening to see if he's got something wrong because this shouldn't be a little kid having headaches like that. So one day I said, well, let's just pray for him. And Ann said, well, I've been waiting for you to say something. I said, well, okay. <laughs> just got out of Bible college. I didn't know what to do. <laughs> we laid hands on him and prayed and believed God for his healing. 
And the Lord spoke to Anne and said, He's healed. Well, she'd already made an appointment in Oklahoma City to go, to go up there and have him looked at, you know, having an MRI or whatever it was back then, x-rays. And uh, on the way up there, well, in the meantime, her friends came over. Good, godly, decent people who went to our church. And she said, the Lord told me Brandon's healed. But they said, but you're still going to take him to the doctor, right? With fear in their eyes and trembling in their voice, you're still going to take him to the doctor, right? Well, yeah, we're going to take him to the doctor, but he's healed. But, but you're still going to take him to the doctor, right? Yeah, yeah, I guess we will. Made her, made her mad. She almost canceled the appointment over it. And on the way up there, we, we got to Marietta, which was just 10 miles from Thackerville. We're in front of the cookie shop there in Marietta. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Right there. And she said, the Lord told me Brandon's healed. She hadn't told me, but she told, she told everybody else that God told her he was healed. And uh, she said, the Lord told me he's healed. I pulled over in the cookie shop parking lot and started turning around and go home. So if he's healed, I'm going home. I'm not, not going to go to Oklahoma City. She said, no, we've got to go. We've got to go because... Even though, even though uh, I know he's healed, I want it verified by the doctor so I can show my friends who are unbelievers about this. So y'all know the story. We went up there and sure enough, they did x-rays and ran all kinds of tests. And the doctor came out and said, well, I don't see any damage at all. Uh, apparently he, it, his brain did pull loose from his head, his skull. If you say he blacked his eyes, that, that's how that happens. He said, but he's fine. Take him home. He got lucky, he said. And Ann said, we didn't get lucky. We didn't get lucky. God touched this boy because he was having bad headaches. He never had another headache like that. Amen. Amen. The devil wants to over overrun you with opinions and numbers and opinions and numbers and opinions and numbers. And data and statistics and overwhelm you till you can't believe. Don't be intimidated by numbers or power. Verse 21, 1 Kings 18, 21, And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. See, what Israel was doing, they weren't, they weren't getting rid of the Lord in their life. They were just incorporating paganism into their life. A little bit here, a little bit there. What was convenient for them there, they used that. Just trying to cover all their bases just in case Jehovah wasn't the true God. Remember this. Most people, most problems, I should say, most problems have simple answers. Most of the problems you have in your life are caused from not making a simple decision. Look at two people and say, he's talking to you. Most problems have really simple answers. Israel was in a drought and a great crisis. The reason Ahab had said to Elijah, listen to me, the reason Ahab had said to Elijah, you, uh, you're troubling Israel, the reason for that is because Elijah had said, there's coming a drought because of your pagan practices. And it's not going to rain until I say it's going to rain. And they were years and years deep into this thing, seven years into this drought. And water was a great commodity. 
Water was like money to them. Very hard to come by. And he said, all you have to do to fix this is make a decision. Think about the strongest problem you have, the biggest problem you have right now in your life. The biggest problem you have in your life right now is waiting on you to make a decision. I'm helping somebody today. The problems linger in our lives because we don't make decisions like we should. You can make a decision because you have the answer inside you. As a believer, you have the answer inside your heart. That's why you can make a decision. But the devil has so beaten you up by making, but from past decisions you made, now, he, now you don't believe you can make any decisions at all without getting challenged. Remember, most problems have simple answers. Heard a story about a guy who got an idea and he called up, he called up Tabasco. He said, I got a way for you to double, if not triple, your income in one year. They said, that's impossible. He said, I, I got a way for you to do it. You can triple your income in one year. You can double your income in one year, maybe triple. And all I want is a percentage of the, of the double. If you don't make any money, you owe me nothing. But I want, I want a percentage off of what you make more in the, in the coming year. They quadrupled their profits. The story goes that they quadrupled their profits. And you know how? They got there, sat there with all the lawyers and everything. He didn't have a piece of paper. He had an idea in his head. Amen. And all he said to them was, make the hole bigger. <laughs> How many of you remember when you used to have to really shake that Tabasco thing to get one drop? He said, you're selling it by the drop. You need to be selling it by the splash. Make the hole bigger. And they did. And, they, and they, 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 their profits went up four times instead of twice, like he had predicted. Remember, most problems have a simple answer. Glory to God. So your problems are not really big. They're just waiting on you to make a decision. Verse 22. Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I only, remain a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let them therefore uh, give us two bullocks, and let them choose one bullock for themselves, and, out of, uh, and cut it in pieces and lay it on wood, and put no fire under. And I will dress the other bullock, and lay it on wood, and put no fire under. Put no fire under it. And call ye on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God that answers by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, It is well spoken. Now you understand what Elijah is doing here? Elijah is making their choice easy. He said, you need to make a decision. Why stand you? Why halt you between two opinions? You need to make a decision. But then he turns right around and does something that makes it easy for them to make a decision. And Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, Choose you a bullock of yourselves and dress it. For ye are many. And call on the name of your gods, and put no fire under. And they took the bullock which was given them, and they dressed it, and called on the name of Baal, from morning even until noon, saying, O oh, Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, nor any that answered. And they leaped upon the altar which was made. Let's skip down to verse 29. And it came to pass that midday, when, day, when midday was past, and they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. They'd been going all day. And there was neither voice, nor any to answer, nor any that regarded. And Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. I want you to skip down to 
Yeah, well, verse 30. And Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. What to do when your faith is challenged? The first thing to do, I've already told you about. The second thing to do, I've told you about. The third thing I told you to do. But here's what you do. The fourth thing. Keep God's people near you. I know sometimes it feels like they are the problem. Miss Ann and I, when we, need, when we were younger, we needed marriage counseling. You would think one of us could just do the counseling. But I couldn't counsel my wife in her marriage because I was the problem. <laughs> we had to have a pastor to speak to us. We knew all the answers. And when we heard him say it, we said, I knew that. I knew that's right. Elijah knew that God's people were the problem here. They followed these false prophets. But he didn't blame them. He still called them close to him. The first thing that somebody often does when they're challenged in their faith is they leave the church. They do exactly the opposite of what they should do. When you get challenged in your faith, don't leave. Press in. Get God's people closer to you. Press in. Stay in there. Fight. It will come back to you. It will come around. You will win this fight, but you've got to stay close to God's people. He said, bring God's people near me. Call somebody on the phone. Say, talk to me, man. I'm struggling today. Amen. Amen. Can I get a better amen from somebody? Amen. Go to church. Get involved. Keep God's people near you. They may not be perfect, but, you know, you wouldn't like them if they were. <laughs> you wouldn't like that guy's perfect hanging out at your house. I, I, have, I have, my best friend in the world is a prophet. And let me tell you something. If you have a choice, don't pick a prophet as your best friend. Sometimes he's just no fun. He won't even watch football with me. I don't, know, I don't know why I like him. <laughs> but I do. But he speaks the truth to me, I'll tell you that. Y'all met him, his name is Terry Sparks. 1 Kings 18, 31. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two measures of seed. Why twelve stones? Because it represented, it represented the twelve heads of the twelve tribes of Israel. And that speaks, that number twelve speaks of authority. So use your authority. When you are challenged in your faith, stand on your authority and use your authority. Don't ever think just because the devil has plotted something against you that seems to be working, don't ever think he has, he has authority over you. Jesus said, all power is given unto me, all authority is given unto me in heaven and earth, and I give this authority unto you. Praise God. Use your authority. Stand as a child of God. I, I was young and not walking with the Lord. I'd been saved as a child, you know, but I didn't walk with God for about 10 years of my life. 
from the time I was about 10 till I was 20, 12 till I was 20, I started going away from the Lord in my heart. But when I was 19 or so, I was working for the Santa Fe, Santa Fe Railroad and I had this little boy, Eric, my firstborn. That kid had a demon. I'm not being funny, he had a demon. He would hold his breath till he passed out. Simply because he got mad. He'd get so mad and turn purple and pass out. We didn't know what to do with this. It was terrifying. And one day he, he, he was doing that and my mother started spanking him. And she painted his little butt red. I mean, painted him red. And he still passed out. And when he came to, he normally, when he came to, he'd start crying and he was normal again. This time he didn't. He was, in a, he was in a stupor. Now his little butt was burning. We spanked him again to try, to try to get him to breathe hard, you know. He just sat and just looked at us like he was in a complete daze. And it was terrifying. We just looked at him. Eric! He just was just in a, in a semi-comatose state. My mother looked at me and said, you know what this is, John? I said, no, I don't. What is it, Mama? She said, it's a demon. I said, We'll do something. She said, no, you're going to do it. <laughs> now, I wasn't walking with God, but I was saved. Amen. I said, she said, you know what to do. Do it. Amen. I looked at that boy, that baby, and I said, in the name of Jesus, I command you, you devil, take your hands off my son. Come out of him now in Jesus' name. And instantly, he, it was just that quick that he started crying. And it never happened again. Never happened again. Amen. I didn't say use your past performance. Use your God-given authority. Come on, somebody say amen. Weren't you scared? Heck yeah, I was scared. I was still scared about it. My mama, she's one of those people that wouldn't take no for an answer. She's one of those people you just, don't, you just don't argue with. Verse 32. And he put the wood in order and cut the bullock in pieces and laid him on the wood and said, Fill, our, fill four barrels with water and pour it on the burnt, burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And he said, Do it the second time. What's he, what's he pouring out? Water. The most precious commodity they have is water at this point. This long drought they've been in. Was it three years? Seven years, whatever. He said, do it the second time. And they did it the second time. And he said, do it the third time. And they did it the third time. And the water ran round about the altar. And he filled the trench also with water. Woo! So the sixth thing you do when your faith is being challenged is make a sacrifice of what you need the most. Make a sacrifice of what you need the most. It got real quiet in here for just a minute. Did you notice that? Make a sacrifice of what you need the most. Well, I, I, I need health. How am I going to make a sacrifice? Spend some time fasting. Spend some time taking communion every day. Is it quiet in here or is it just me? <laughs> Take communion every day. Do some fasting. 
Make a sacrifice of what you need most. Worshiping with your body. Whatever it is you need the most, find a way to make a sacrifice of that. Amen. Amen. Verse 36. Verse 36. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said. I'm going to read this prayer to you in the King James Version of the Bible. I'm going to ask you a question when I'm done. Lord God of Abraham and Isaac, Isaac and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their heart back again. How long did the pagans pray? All stinking day. He prays a 63-word prayer. In the King James Bible, it's 63 words. I don't know how many it is in Hebrew. I didn't look it up. But a 63-word prayer. And notice verse 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell. Amen. So I'm going to teach you something today about prayer. The seventh thing you should do when, you're, when your faith is being challenged is pray simple prayers of faith. Pray simple prayers of faith. Say, God, I thank you for your promise of providing for me. And in Jesus' name, I lay claim to that promise right now. You said it. I believe it. I receive it. Mountain, move. But here's how we pray. Oh, now, Lord, thou God, oh, Heavenly Father, we know that you see our need, and we, we're so thankful to have you in our lives. We pray, oh, God, that you'll do something to help us. We don't know what to do, but we, we, we're, we've got... Oh, hush. <laughs> this gets so complicated. Keep it simple. Stupid. <laughs> Kiss the thing. K-I-S-S. Pray simple prayers of faith. I know you have an education. The Lord knows it too. But from his perspective, there's no difference from a, from a third grader and a PhD. They all look about the same intelligence level to the Lord. Pray simple prayers. The, simple, the simpler your prayer, the more direct your prayer, the better it will carry your faith to the problem. If you water it down with too many words, it gets real weird. And you can't remember what you prayed. <laughs> you pray a simple, poof, a rifle kind of prayer, one bullet, boom. You remember that one. But if you pray this shotgun prayer, you can't tell where the pellets are going to fall. I'm sorry, I can't remember. So you pray it again and again and again and destroy your own faith. Simple. Keep it simple. A couple of Wednesday nights ago, I was here. And I had to go to, back to Dallas that Wednesday night. I often stay here Wednesday nights. You'd stay with Miss, Miss Ann, my honey. But this Wednesday night, I had to go back. And I noticed that I'm, I was low on gas. And I got, got out of Durant before I realized I was low on gas. You ever done it? I, got, I said, well, I'm, I'll get gas in Sherman. 
And I'm all wrapped up in my thoughts about the Bible study. Saying, well, I wish I'd have said that. You know, re re replaying it in my head. Oh, I should have said that. And the, the next, time I, next time I think about gas, I'm already between past Denison, halfway to Sherman. I thought, oh, I've got to be sure of stopping Sherman. I could fall back into my thoughts. Next time I think about gas, I'm on the south side of Sherman. <laughs> oh, I've got to stop in Van Alstine. So I said, Van Alstine, Van Alstine, Van Alstine, Van Alstine. I said it about four times. I burned it in my brain. Anybody been there, done that? You know what I'm talking about? I knew there was a place in Van Alstine I could stop. I take the exit in Van Alstine, and I pull up there, and I put the nozzle in the truck, in the, in the tank, and start to go in the store, and a teenage boy walks up to me. Uh, sir? Yeah? He said, he said, could you spare two or three bucks for some gas? We're out of gas. Did I tell you all the story already? Wednesday night? He said, he said, he said, uh, he said, could you, could you uh, spare the money? I said, well, I don't have any cash on me, son, but I got my card. I'll, I'll come over there to you. And he had walked by, by several other people to come find me. So I walked over there and looked over there and there's an old hot rod truck sitting over there. You know what I mean. And two other boys over there. And I walked over there and they had this go-kart with no motor on it in the back of the truck. They had to, they had to make a special run for this go-kart because apparently there was some emergency that they dared do it on an empty tank of gas. <laughs> They're teenagers. That's just what teenagers do. I just thought back about 50 years, that was me right there. <laughs> you know, I said, how are you going to run this thing without a motor? We got a motor in Allen, we just got to get home. Oh, okay. Well, I stuck my card in the tank and in the pump and they, he said, he said, I said, well, start pumping. He said, how much, <laughs> there was a hose in his hand. He said, how much can we have? <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, just start pumping. We'll talk about that. Just, just put your some in. I didn't tell him how much. I said, I can afford whatever this truck will hold, I promise you. So he started pumping, and I started preaching. I told him about Jesus. I preached a simple gospel to them. I kept it real simple because I knew if they didn't have sense enough to put gas in their truck, <laughs> it was going to have to be sim simple. So I... <laughs> I kept it real simple, preached a simple gospel to them. Christ died for your sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And I talked to them about Jesus and how to receive him, how to believe on him, and, how, and what the re reward would be, eternity in heaven. And they thanked me for that and we shook hands and they were real sweet kids. And then he hung up the tank, he pulled it out and hung it up. I said, you got enough? He said, yeah, it's good, that, that, that'll work. And I said, I pointed at the pump and I said, boys, do, one, do, do me one favor. You find somebody in need, you help them. Like I helped you, you pass this along to somebody else. We will, sir. We will, sir. Thank you. Thank you very much. They jumped in their truck, and they started that old hoopy up. And it went, Well, now that's why you ran out of gas, because the thing probably gets 10 miles a gallon. Great big engine in the thing. They roared, they roared off, and uh, bye. And I stood there and looked at the pump. Looked at the price of the pump. And that kid knows nothing. But he stopped that pump exactly at $15.17. 
1517, that's the year Martin Luther nailed the 95 Theses to the Wittenberg Castle Church door and started the greatest revival in the history of the world called the Reformation. Amen. And that Reformation is why we are all here today. And God said to me, that 1517 didn't mean anything to these boys, but it meant everything to me. The Lord said to me, it started with a simple sermon that he nailed to a, nailed to a, a church door. Who knows what you started right here today, John, with a simple little witness to three teenage boys. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Keep it simple. Your answers should be simple. You can help people, help yourself by praying simple prayers, doing the simple things. Because that's your way out. Now I want you to notice this. I'm almost done. Can, can you give me a couple more minutes? Grace is the outcome of the whole thing. Notice this. Verse 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the, in the trench. <laughs> and when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord God, He is God. The Lord, He is the, the God. Skip down to verse 41. And Elijah said unto Ahab, Get thee up, eat and drink, and there is a sound, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. He had to tell him because Ahab hadn't heard it. Because this is not a sound in the natural. This is a sound the spirit man heard. The anointed man heard it. Before you ever see anything in the natural, it has to happen in the spirit first. And if you'll listen, you can hear your answer coming before circumstances change. Glory to God. I hear the sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between, between his knees, and he said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, There's nothing. And he said, Go again seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, Behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. I looked this up in the, in the original and it does not say the size of a man's hand. It said like a man's hand. Everybody lift your, lift your hand up. How many fingers are on that hand? Five. A small cloud the size of a man's hand out over the sea he could not have seen. He would not be able to see a cloud the size of a man's hand. The size of a man's hand and a cloud won't stay together two seconds. There's no such thing. It was a cloud that, had, that looked like a man's hand. And Elijah said to him, You go and don't let, the, don't let the torrent of rain stop you. Ride and don't let the rain stop you because the rain is coming. When he saw the number five in the sky, he knew that grace was coming. I prophesy to you today that the grace of God is coming in a torrent of blessing upon your life. A torrent of blessing is coming upon your life. Praise God. Lift that hand up. Lift that hand up. Show those five fingers that a torrent of blessing is coming upon your life today. Grace of God is coming upon you to meet every need you have. The drought is over for you. Amen. You've fought enough. The drought is over. We've killed all of the gods. We've slain all the gods and all the false stuff that's in our lives. And the drought is over and the blessing is coming. I hear the sound for the river. I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. Glory to God. Glory to God. This is your day. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Praise God.